I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled Boost, a series specifically created to boost businesses in South Africa by letting passionate and committed business people share their stories. In this episode, we're chatting about e-learning for corporates, we're chatting about how e-learning works for businesses, and we're also chatting about the difference between upskilling and reskilling, and then how to identify what you need in your business. I'm joined by Mike Gullen. Uh, founder and CEO of GNG Advocacy. Michael, welcome. Thank you, Jakub. Great to be here. So we always uh, start the show by just uh, telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been in the communications industry or marketing communications industry most of my career. I'm in my early 50s, so it's, uh, it's quite some time. Um, and, uh, and ventured into the e-learning space in the last seven, seven years or so and, and, and fell into it by coincidence through a client working on some business and just really fell in love with with learning and seeing how that moves people in the work you know, in the workplace and, and it's been a it's been a, a journey of discovery and learning the last sort of six or seven years. Okay, and and um, uh, GNG advocacy is is it primarily focused about e learning or is it more to the business? GNG advocacy is an e learning consultancy, so we're what I would call a high end e learning consultancy. Our focus is is to provide an end to end solution. We own we we have built and own our own technology stack, so we built our own e learning platform, um, and we have developed a bespoke consultancy process where we consult with our clients, build a fully learning strategy for them in their business, and then using some proprietary technology and processes that we've developed. Um, create content and and implement and do success management for them to to essentially drive their business outcomes. Okay, so let's uh, so let's talk about e-learning and uh, uh, and what's interesting for me is um, you, as you say you've been doing it for like seven years. So obviously um, you saw the future way before a lot of other people did. So um, maybe talk to us about e-learning. What is it? How does it work? Yeah, and it's such an interesting topic. I mean, I think I think COVID and lockdown has 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 really you know pushed it into this into the limelight, as it were. And it's a quite a multifaceted subject because e-learning covers, you know, a broad span of of online learning activities, and and it also covers courses that are what I would call aggregated content. So we've got some amazing providers out there, the Udemy's and the Get Smarters of the world that develop content for a sort of a very broad audience of learners and their model is to sign up, you know, th- literally thousands of individual users, retain them for as long as they can to buy a few courses at a time. Um, but the challenge with that sort of content is it's it's not particularly personalized to, to a specific company and their individual um, um, requirements in terms of, of their of their of their workers and the skills that drive their business outcomes, which brings us to the other sort of end of e-learning, which is the high-end consultancies that that spend more time uh, understanding you know sort of the learning needs of a company, the business strategy, how skills development drives those business outcomes, what career paths look like in terms of of, of how a corporate or a business is developing the skills within their company to continually take advantages of their growth and opportunities in the marketplace. And that's very much the place where, where we fit in is the ability to develop those sort of more complicated and, and longer-term and detailed um, um, learning courses. Um, and it's a, it's a very broad industry with, with 
quite a lot of players. I, when I first started in it, I thought, ah, you know, there's a gap here. We'll, you know, we'll jump in and, you know, it won't be like the digital ad world, which I came from, which had become quite commoditized. And I very quickly discovered that it's, it's a very competitive space full of some very smart and capable players um, and, 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 and a very exciting and interesting environment to work in. And, and what was the reason that, um, that e-learning was the, the sort of uh, route that you chose? Uh, and, uh, and again, I come back to the fact that you, you sort of identified the opportunity seven years ago. Um, maybe you can just talk to us around that. Yes, it really came about out of two moments. Firstly, just on a pure sort of personal level, I had I had um, been given a lot of thought as an entrepreneur and a business owner, someone who's responsible for people's livelihoods, as we all are as business owners. I spent a lot of you know having a lot of long dark nights of the soul in terms of what what's my role in driving our economy and making a contribution to the success of our country and our you know our future, rather than sitting on the sidelines and complaining and you know and throwing shade on every politician or corrupt business person out there. I, I rather wanted to be a you know have a positive impact. I love that. And I, thought, I love that. More I thought of, uh, you know, it's a choice, isn't it? You know, dwell in the in the muck or, or rise above it and make a difference. And and as I thought about that and my unique skill sets, I dwelled on the fact that, that, that education to me, you know, the more I looked at it, I, you know, one of the most disheartening things for me as an entrepreneur is the flood of of applications we get for every new job we post. And it's so disheartening to see the literally hundreds, sometimes thousands of applications that come for a job knowing that, there's no way that many of those candidates are going to find a job um, because there simply aren't enough, you know, jobs. And also so many of those candidates lack sufficient employment or education, uh, sorry, uh, education or skills. And so as I thought about that more and more, I thought, well, what difference can we make and, and, and how do we contribute to education? And, and, and we set up a trust and we got involved in paying for education and that sort of thing. And then coincidentally, I stumbled on a piece of work with a big multinational client that, that gently led me into the space of first via CRM and loyalty into, into e-learning. And, and it was just a light bulb moment came on and started a, a journey of learning and and um, uh, and eventually turned into, as I say, into this business that we have um, uh, with some just incredibly skilled and amazing people that we've we've brought into it. So, so just as a side note, I mean, I think uh, I, you echoed exactly what uh, what we believe, and this is why we're doing Unbundled Boost. Um, uh, we believe that it's our responsibility as as uh, corporate citizens to keep the economy going, and um, yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, skills and training is probably the most fundamental building block to to achieve that. So, just as a side note, um, so uh, there's a lot of talk when when you talk about uh, upskilling um, and reskilling. There's a lot of these skilling words. So maybe you can just explain to us what uh, your view is and and what the difference is between that. Yeah, and it's, it, I think that, I think those two words are so closely aligned and, and often, you know, used interchangeably. I think at a, at a fundamental level, upskilling really is the process of learning new skills and competencies. So it's, so it's taking someone out of the workplace and going, I want to teach you something new to do a, to essentially to, you know, to, to either perform a new role or to increase the, the, the capabilities or the, or the, or the you know, productive capability of the company. And, and, and that talks to, you know, 
creating a culture of upskilling in a company, which really is just continually teaching um, employees new skills, so sort of you know businesses advancing um, skills, they're closing talent gaps, and they're ensuring that they have retention and you know and highly capable employees. Reskilling is slightly different. That more involves a shift in a career trajectory, you know, so it's the process of, it's of teaching our employees new skills or, you know, so that they're essentially able to do a different job. And I think that the last two years, the impact of the last two years of lockdown globally, let alone in South Africa on businesses, has unfortunately seen companies having to retrench, having to cut their workforces or not full new, you know, not full new roles as the companies have, have, have people have, have sort of naturally left. And that's created a very real need to take those existing people in the business and go, well, I need you to do more. You know, we can't afford to employ more people. So broaden your responsibilities. And that's a classic environment where reskinning becomes important because someone needs to do um, um, a, a more expanded role and they need to acquire new skills. So, so, so that's kind of becomes a reskilling exercise. Um, so, so very kind of, it, it tends to be a gray area and, and, and they're very kind of um, closely aligned. And I think, it, essentially, businesses need to have a strategy around how do they how do they both upskill and reskill their workforce um, to ensure that they are set poised for growth. And and maybe a bit of a difficult question: um, if you if you go into a reskilling scenario, um, what sort of the, the the timeline that that it takes on average um, to re- reskill somebody and and get them productive in that in that new role that we're talking about? Okay, that's a it's a great question, but a challenging question because it, it's kind of like how long is a piece of string, and, and I'll quantify that. It really depends on the complexity of the skill or the role that we want to reskill the individual on, and then and then the the amount of information you know or or or, or the amount of information we want to share with them for them to be able to learn or acquire that new skill. Um, I think the other way to look at it is rather um, the, the you know one of the biggest challenges. PwC did a survey recently where they looked at they they, they, they surveyed CEOs globally, and, and it's kind of like four out of five CEOs were saying that they identified if their employees' lack of essential skills as their biggest threat to growth. And so I think the 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 more important challenge for businesses is this on is to develop an ongoing plan and are, are to reskill their workforce. So it's about going, let me develop a plan now that we are continuously upskilling and reskilling based on career, very con- deeply considered career planning. So let me look at the different job titles or job grades or skill sectors in my business and what's my continuous skilling program look like. And then building out a, you know, a content library or a course library, it's, it's kind of like it's much like insurance, you know, it's that thing that one's got to continue to pay. Sorry, not insurance, an investment. Yeah. You know, the more one business is investing in, in, in the ongoing education and, and skills development of their workforce, it pays off in dividends down the line. Um, so, so it's not so much that short return, it's just a must do, you know, forever almost. And, and, and I think that's maybe part of the, um, 
part of why I asked the question. So I think you you uh, indicated a very important thing now. It's uh, 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 skilling, be it upskilling or reskilling, is not something that you that's an incident. You do it and then it's over and, and you just carry Correct. on. And it's and I assume yeah. it's also not uh, it's also not uh, a quick fix. It is, it's it's not uh, because um, part of my question was. Um, also, in terms of people's uh, willingness or maybe their resistance to to reskill, um, if they used to and, and and they've sat in a certain role for for quite a while. Yeah, I, I have to tell you that I find it fascinating. We've been, um, I guess, because of lockdown and the interest in in e learning, we've we've had exposure to a lot of big corporates in the last two years, just consulting and going in and doing kind of basic needs analysis and that sort of thing, and. I think that one of the biggest challenges that companies face at the moment is a fear of change from workers around or, 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 you know, people in the workforce around acquiring new skills. And it's not that they don't want to learn, but they're scared of being shown up as not necessarily being competent. And so I think the biggest challenge for learning managers and HR teams is to create a culture of ongoing learning in an, in, in an organization where people feel safe to go, hey, I want to learn more. Not oh geez, if I if I if I seem to not know this, I may potentially lose my job or my job may be in threat. And again, that comes back to the point that you said. Now it's it's how how businesses build a culture of ongoing learning and how they have that program in place. But that's not to say that quick interventions. It's a word I hear so often in the corporate environment. You know, we need an intervention, which sometimes makes me think like they want to take someone, send them, you know, to to you know to, to get some kind of rehabilitation or something. Yeah. You know, an intervention's got a kind of a scary connotation. You know, it's like hey, I've got four people that don't understand how to this manufacturing process. We need an intervention. You know, let's take them to get dried out or something. But actually. That intervention needs we need, urgently need to teach them the basic manufacturing skills, or we're going to, you know, the machinery is going to get broken or something. And so I think, to the point you asked just now, there, there are instances where quick courses need to be developed, and you know, courses can be put together in you know a couple of weeks. You know, that's the beauty of e-learning. You know, it's the beauty of micro-learning and content capsules, is we can produce bite-sized pieces of information that allow a learner to literally snack on information and acquire knowledge and apply that knowledge. Very, very quickly, literally in weeks. Okay, so that actually talks straight into my next question. So, how do I, as a as a business, identify or know what type of upskilling or reskilling I I, I need to to intervene with, if we can call it that, or implement? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah. You know, I think again, uh, and this has been, I have to say, a, a, a very interesting journey for me in the last couple of years engaging with um, sort of at C-suite level with, with HR teams is I think the biggest challenge businesses have is what does that sort of career planning look like? And how do the career plans and the different sort of job roles in a corporate, how do that, how do those job roles drive business outcomes or productivity? And at the end of the day, it's all about profit, isn't it? Because that ensures a business is sustainable. Yeah. And, and, and it comes back, at the end of the day, it comes back to what's the planning look like. And I think the, the, the biggest requirement for any business is from a, from a, from a skills development point of view is take a look at the workforce. What's the workforce plan look like? What are the job roles look like? And it's having a constant plan in terms of are we skilling our, our, our employees? And that's time and effort. And I think again, people are stretched and sometimes the time to do that becomes a kind of a, you know, I've got to deal with the CCMA or we quickly need to train these people or we need to replace this team or we've got to, you know, retrench this group. But that long-term um, career planning and sort of job planning uh, gets neglected. 
And then businesses are going, well, sheesh, you know, why, why, are, why are our team members not acquiring the skills they need? Why are we falling behind? But actually, it's, it's from a lack of long-term planning. So, and, and that now leads into my next question. Uh, you, you, you're just making today so easy. Um, uh, in a, in a, in a larger corporates, uh, and, and you said it beautifully now where people are stretched in larger corporates, it might be, you know, departments of HR people doing stuff in the, in the SME world where, where, where I live, um, you know, that HR role, um, is, is, it's probably like some form of multitasking type type role, and and um, so so how do, how does a, a small to medium enterprise um, deal with this? And and I think uh, some uh, you actually said it perfectly. It probably depends on a on an HR person, and and maybe even the even the the MD or the CEO of the business um, that has to find time somewhere in amongst all of the other things while trying to be profitable. Yeah, yeah, okay. But he has another thought. It's about perfect skills, isn't it? You know, and so I think the best, the best application of a, of, of, in, a, in an SME environment of, of a senior executive's time is to spend the time on those activities that drive the business forward and to either delegate to outsource those activities where there's not a core competency. And so in the instance you're talking about now, where you have a, an SME-sized business that's not necessarily a large HR team or, or large learning and development team, find a good partner. Find a good learning and development partner that has a great combination of consulting skills, so the, the consulting and strategic component, and then the ability to develop complement, content and do an implementation. Partner with them. You know, don't try and do it yourself. You know. Just, just partner with the right people. And then, and then, and then, how would that, uh, how would that process uh, look from a from a high level? Um, from a high level, it's, it's needs analysis. One, so understanding the needs of the business. Two, understanding the objectives and what success looks like. Three, what are the different um, skills that need to be taught in the business across the different. Um, 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 let's call it uh, job titles or, or job categories. Um, and uh, and then uh, and then what's our you know investment or financial capability which then talks to curriculum what's you know what's the curriculum who are subject matter specialists and then we go into you know what what a production cycle would look like that in broad strokes is is sort of what a that kind of a you know process or cycle uh, entails and and then um, you know as as we know um, in, specifically in in SME space uh, all of those MDs are outcomes based so how do I yes. um, then uh, evaluate the 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 change that this e-learning has. How do I know that the e-learning is working for me? Yeah, fantastic question. Um, reporting and analytics. So, so Yaku, one of the one of the critical things for me when when I got into the space was I felt very coming from a digital advertising background. You know, analytics for me is crucial. It's the most one of the most important ways of us being able to understand and measure impact. And so in the e-learning space, it's very much about making sure that, that, that one is, is pulling the right um, um, uh, type of reporting and analytics to understand learner behavior. Um, not just are people passing the courses, but are, what, what, what time are they spending on the individual courses? What are they looking at? Where are they perhaps not doing anymore? Where are they failing? How often are they returning and revisiting the material, which shows how, you know, and how does that translate into confidence in the workplace? So I think, I think, Spending a lot of time understanding the actual sort of um, 
learner journey through reporting and analytics is probably one of the most crucial things a company can do. And again, partner with the right people or employ the right team internally and make sure they provide the right um, um, data and analytics back to senior managers just to, you know, to, to, to get the right um, level of understanding from an outcomes perspective. Um, and second last question, I, I, there's so many questions. Um, I'm even thinking, thinking in our own business, uh, um, you know, how these, these learner journeys work. Do you find that uh, when, when a, a curriculum is introduced into a business, that um, yes. there's, a, there's a, a bit of having to incentivize people to, to stretch? Uh, because, you know, we, we, go to the, we go to the office and we do our daily work and then we've got our family lives and all of those other responsibilities. So I assume from an e-learning perspective, somewhere in between, you've got to find time to, to, for this upskilling and reskilling. And sometimes, uh, um, you know, people might be reluctant to do it or, or, or not that motivated. I mean, yes, that's probably the best question you've asked me today. Thank you for that question. Because I tell you why it's the best question. It's the one thing that creates the biggest misconception in in companies is I get I, man, I, you know, it's when I'm on an interview like this. I wish I could share, you know, not just anecdotal things, but real life scenarios. I'm just thinking of one now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna draw from this experience and make it anecdotal. But you know, companies go. I need e-learning because I need to upskill my people, and and they and they and they engage either internally with someone and they develop an amazing you know library of courses, and it's kind of like that Kevin Costner Field of Dreams movie. They build it and they just expect everyone to come. They kind of expect, well, we've got an e-learning library and everyone's going to be self-motivated and everyone's going to have you know be individually personally ambitious and we're going to tell them about it and they're just going to log on and they're going to learn. We never have to think about it again. And, they, and we're just going to see this incredible increase in productivity and knowledge in the business. And then like the end of the first month comes on and they, you know, we share a report that's like 5% of people have actually done something and management are horrified. They're like, but what, why? And, and the reality is people, adults particularly compete with so many um uh, have so, have so much um, um, competition for their time and energy and attention. We have our daily demands in the workplace. We have and, and the interruptions during the day. You know things like email and meetings. We have our families, our personal needs, etc. To fit time into learn into that is really really challenging. And then of course some people are just lazy buggers. Yeah. So you know they're not. So 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 the challenge is to ensure that people are adequately incentivized and encouraged. And that then leads into the discussion of things like gamification. So give them badges, awards, you know, allow them to earn real life rewards for the things that they do in e-learning, little bonuses or time off or those sorts of things. And figure out how you take an e-learning program that lives digitally and bring it alive in the workplace through things like peer-to-peer recognition or achiever of the month or year or, you know, link it to annual performance appraisals, etc. But e-learning by itself is not the silver, you know, the silver bullet, I think is the term. It has to be driven and supported through a range of different activities, um, both on platform and in the business environment for it to succeed. And, and coming back to your comment around uh, choosing the right partner, uh, I uh, suspect uh, that uh, you talk from real life experience. So, so the, the um, you know, it's evolved over time and you've learned obviously how to, how to get, uh, uh, you know, larger pot- participation. Yes, absolutely. I think I think that's been the biggest insight for me when I've been talking to the big corporates is 
having conversations with them and asking them how's the e-learning kind of history been and so many of them gone well, we spent millions of rands in e-learning it was a dismal failure <laughs> and as i unpack it with them i start to realize hey they haven't understood the fundamentals of e-learning everything has been like take this massive powerpoint presentation a 40-page presentation and dump it online and call it an e-learning course without understanding the basic tenets of adult learning and you know and micro learning and Ganges, you know, nine steps to all of the all of the fundamentally critical science of adult learning, and then two, understanding basic human psychology. People need to be encouraged, and you know, and recognised, and and are rewarded for doing the things they do in the workplace. And if you understand what drives people, and then and then run an e-learning program based on that, then success becomes um, um, more achievable. Well, well, I can certainly tell you, I've I've made some of those mistakes where we just introduced like a like a, a technical training platform, for example, and, and we just expect people are are just going to do it, and then like six months later, you look back and you go like, but why is nothing yeah. happened? You know, so um, yeah. yeah, we all make those mistakes. It's interesting. Um, yeah. So, so my last question is, and and we always do do that on on the, on the uh, boost is. If we had to make it real now, so um, if I'm a business owner and I'm listening to this, um, where do I start? First place to start is, is give serious thought to what, what your business needs. You know, I think so many businesses are going, hey, I need e-learning, I need e-learning. But it's take that one step back and go, where are the, where are the skill shortages in my business? Where are the skill shortages in, um, um, negatively affecting my business growth or my business success? That's the first place. It's, it's introspection. Then based on that introspection and understanding of where those skill shortages are now or potentially could be in the future, then build a plan. You know, start to understand what skills do I need to teach across the business or in particular departments and then do an assessment of where they have the capabilities in-house to do that or you need to find a suitable partner to partner with to to a develop a suitable plan and b to go into the production and management cycle of an e-learning program and and then if i if i if all of that stuff uh, sounds a bit too daunting can can i for example then engage uh gng f- uh, from the word go and you take us through that entire process Yes, I mean not to be not to be too self-promoting here, but absolutely. I mean, you know, that's that's exactly what we do. We're a consultancy. We're a high-touch consultancy. We take our clients from initial needs analysis all the way through to success management and detailed reporting and analytics, all with a view on how we're driving that that business outcome and ensuring the long-term sustainability and success of a business. Okay, and then and then if people wanted to engage uh, GNG, we we would what would what's the best mechanism for that? Two ways. So one, our website, which is ggadvc.com, ggadvc.com, or pop me an email, michael at gullen and gullen.com, or look for me, Michael Gullen, on LinkedIn and reach out to me. I'm, I'm fairly um, responsive on LinkedIn and I'm, I'm, you know, I, I love meeting, I love meeting people and sharing knowledge. So, Anyone listening on this podcast that just wants to have a virtual cup of coffee and just bounce some ideas, I'm always happy to share knowledge. I believe that, you know, there's more than enough business out there that we don't need to run after every piece of business. But if we can support each other with with knowledge and encouragement and insights, you know, we the world's a better the world's a better place. And and you know that term, pay it forward. It you know comes back to us in one way or another. So um, we'll definitely put all of those details up on the podcast when we. Um when we publish later and uh, Michael I thank you for your time this was a really really interesting conversation I think uh, the the virtual cup of coffee uh, I'm definitely going to take you up on that
<laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when I'm next in Joburg, maybe we'll make it a real cup of coffee. Okay, cool. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you for your time. Take care. Eh? Thank you. Thanks for listening to Unbundled Boost, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to boost business in South Africa. Remember that you can listen to the, all of the episodes on the Cliff Central Apple website. And for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And um, if you want to know more about Catalytic, please make sure to visit catalytic.co.za.